Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. Now the reading plan is actually in Thessalonians, so it's a little bit ahead of us. Um, but this is just too good of a book, in my opinion, to skip over. And it's four chapters. So if you got your if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Philippians. That's where most of the stuff we're going to discuss, talk about, learn is going to be from this this letter, this epistle of Paul, written to the church of Philippi. Um, some groundwork. Um, and then I'll go into prayer. But some groundwork here is Paul, the apostle, which wrote a lot of these letters, of course, he was in prison when he wrote to the church in Philippi, and we call it Philippians. He wrote this letter um, to people that were suffering, okay? Now, if you know anything about Philippians, it's, Philippians, it's also called the letter of joy. Now, Paul was in prison writing it, sending it to people who were suffering. So today, the whole you know, objection or object that I'm going after is how can you have joy in suffering? How can you find joy? And I think Paul does a fabulous job in the four chapters that we have to study to point to that. Um, so I'm just going to pray, and then we'll read, and we'll get, we'll get going. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for my church family gathering um, it's a beautiful thing, Lord, to see this group gather. Uh, we're hungry. We're trying to be humble. Uh, help us to learn. Help us to learn from your word. Lord, there's things in that word that let it just hit the heart. Let it hit the mind of the hearer. Father, help me not to get in the way of the word. Help me not to get in the way of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you use me today. You speak through me today. You help me to communicate what you want communicated. Let everybody in here hear what you're speaking, Lord. Change us today. Have your way, have your will, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead and read with me. I'm going to read 1 through 10, and then we'll just start talking through it. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus, Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, you all, making my prayer with joy. Look at this. There is some, some things I'm going to come back to in this, this, this opening. Prayer with joy. He has joy. He's praying about it. He's thinking of these guys. Because of your partnership. That's another one. Make a note of Because of your partnership uh, in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. There's just a lot of love. There's a lot of community. There's a lot of just tenderness in this, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that, you, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. That's another one we're going to touch on a little bit in a little bit too. Knowledge and all discernment. This is what he wants him to get from this letter. This is what he wants him to get from him. So that you may approve what is excellent 
And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise. Now, take a look over on 29. I want you to skip down to verse 29 and take a peek at this. 29 says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. That is what I'm talking about. This man's suffering. He's writing to people who are suffering. That's, that's clear right there. Um, and what I love about the Bible and I love about our Lord Jesus is that he doesn't sugarcoat things. We have a tendency to live, up in, live in the salesman world, right? Like, here's all the good, here's none of the bad. And you try to sell things, right? Um, sell a car. I sell a lot of vehicles. You know, you tend to not run down all the, the, the bad things on it. You're like, no, but look, look at that, this, you know, and it's like, that's how you sell. But the Bible's not trying to sell anything. It's truth. Truth never has to sell. It is just what it is. And so you, you'll see that, and you'll see that in Paul's letters, that he's like, guys, listen, suffering is a real part of loving Jesus. Suffering is a real part of being a human. It's a part of our experience here. Um, there's a couple things I want to talk about when we think of suffering, just so we get a little clarity, uh, there's suffering for the gospel. That's clearly what's happening here with this letter. There's suffering for the gospel, persecution. There are Christians right now in our world being beat, killed, and thrown in prison for preaching Jesus, okay? Or maybe, you know, in their family, they, they break off, they accept Christ, the family beats them up or run them. This is a real thing. That is persecution suffering. And in the, in the West, we don't deal with it as much, but it's still real. It just looks different. There's a lot of suffering through that. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, anyone ever like stood up for Jesus and you're, and you're not invited to this, or you're not invited to that, or you get overlooked for the position, or you're not, you know, this is real, right? So it's a different type of suffering, but it's, it's a suffering. So then there's a suffering in this life. And the suffering in this life is just born into a fallen world. And, and what I mean by this, you'll see this in the parable that Jesus tells um, when he says uh, the, 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 the house built on the sand and the house built on the rock, right? So you got the house that's built on the sand. Uh, he's, the, he's the foolish man, right? Notice in the parable, if you've ever read it, most of us know it, the parable is the wind comes, the waters rise, the rain comes, the house falls down. Notice the house that Jesus is talking about. That's foolish. The wise person built their house on the rock. The rock being Christ, of course, and that's the wise person. Christ is showing what happens to that house. Was it perfect? Did any, anything happen to that house? Was it just, you know, sunny days all day long because it was built on the rock? No, same thing. Wind comes, water rises, and, and, and storms hit it. It's exactly the same. And that's coming from our Lord Jesus. Except that one didn't fall on the pressures of life. That one stood. So, so that's a suffering in this life. There's just a certain amount of hardship, trials, and suffering that everybody in this church will go through. And you're like, boy, we feel encouraged, don't we? Like, this is the most depressing message. And it is. But once again, my heart and Paul's heart in this letter is to prepare you, talk real with you, get you guys to face the reality of what we're in. Because it does nobody any good to think that following Jesus is going to be health, wealth, and prosperity. That's a thing, right? I came, I actually have had... I've been in that, that group. I was raised a little bit where, you know, we're, we're all prosperous and God's going to bless. And God does bless. Don't get me wrong. 
God does provide amazing things. God does answer prayer. But it's clear in Scripture that, that he wasn't saying, hey, guys, give me money and you won't have any problems. In fact, it's a great place because they actually do give him money and he's still talking to them about how, how they would suffer well, right? So it's like if Paul's not teaching that type of message, then we should not teach that type of message. And he warns against it actually um, in Timothy and we'll, go, we'll talk about that later. So the third kind of suffering that I really want to face that we're not talking about is the suffering for sin. Okay, you love Jesus and you love the Father and you still make mistakes, don't you? So if you're suffering like this, so you lose your job because you were stealing from your company or if you get audited because you weren't paying your taxes and it puts you in a hard place, clearly that hard place is suffering, but that is not suffering for righteousness sake. That is suffering because you've sinned. And sometimes that, that piggybacks with chastisement. God's disciplining those whom he loves. And he's trying to straighten you out. Don't play with this. Honor the Lord. So, there's, so if I drive, get, get drunk, and I go on a drive, and I lose my license, and I have a mobile business, and I can't drive, that'd be suffering for me. Gosh, guys. I'm really, and God's gracious in that, but that suffering was brought on myself by myself. Okay? So we have these, these types of suffering that I really want you to grasp so that you're like not thinking that. And, and here's the other thing to that point. We all make mistakes and we all do stupid stuff and God is gracious and kind and merciful and he will meet you in whatever suffering you're in. He will, he does, he helps. But I just want you to understand the type of suffering that Paul is talking to the church of Philippi here about. Um, I wanna ask this question, kind of engage you guys a little bit. Anyone suffer from the gospel in this church? You know, from being born again, loving Jesus, claiming him, living it out. Has anyone in here, be honest, raise your hand if you've suffered for being a Christian. Amen. Don't be afraid of it. We've suffered. And some of you might be like, well, I've suffered, but I don't, it's not as bad as the people dying in, in, in this country or that country. That's not what I'm saying. Suffering sometimes is not being invited to the party. And I know that sounds weak, but I've raised kids. That's a real concern. That hurts when you're on the outside. Suffering can, can come from being bullied or picked on because you love Jesus, you know, or you're a virgin and you're proud that you're like, I'm waiting for my husband. Then there's people, ah, oh, you're a real, right? That's suffering too. And that's suffering for the right thing. It's suffering for the, the word and the will of God, okay? Um, but really, and I love this with, with, with the Lord and with Paul's writing, is you will go through hardships. Anybody in here suffered because they're just alive? Raise your hand, okay? If you haven't raised your hand, here's the honest truth. You will. I gotta take that home. Boy, this is a good message. This helped my soul so much. This guy told me we we're gonna all suffer. And, and, and the truth is, is you will suffer to some degree, in some way, some form. You just do. And that's, and we're not trying to sugarcoat it. We're not trying to pretend. That's what, you don't come to church and love Jesus so you don't never suffer. You come to church and love Jesus because he's worth it. And what I mean by the worth it is this. We have four kids, and that means there was four pregnancies, okay? That's how that works, okay? Four, four pregnancies for Heath, and really hard on me. But she, she has my oldest right here, Faithy. She had Faith, I don't know how long ago, doesn't matter. When she was, Faith's 19, I can't do math, guys. I don't, I'm not the math man. But, but what I did watch is she gets pregnant with Faith, 
She gets big. She suffers. It was a thing, right? And she has this wonderful girl. And, and we're like, yeah, praise God. And I'm like, she suffered pretty hard. I think we're done. We'll just stop at one because that looked painful, right? And Heather's a trooper. The first one, she, she probably doesn't want me telling tell all this stuff, but the first one is uh, she went all natural because she's like, man, I prayed about feeling. By, by Abigail, our fourth one, there's, it, she went, I don't feel anything. I mean, was a thing said in the hospital. I'm not even making that up. So maybe there's some wisdom in that. But, but there was a suffering period that ended with a beautiful little girl. And it was like, wow. And I'm like, it was horrible, but guess what? And I've always, this is how we had kids. I'd always put it on her because she does the heavy lifting in that and in, in, in our dynamic. So she'd say, I want to have, I want to get pregnant again. I want to have another baby. And I'm like, okay. And so then she did it again. And then again. And then there's quite a gap. And then again. And the suffering was worth the prize, the goal. And I think that's what I want you to hear. I think that's what Paul wants you to hear. I think you'll see that in this scripture, in this text, that in Christ, suffering is worth it. There is a, there is a beautiful thing to be, to get, to go to, um, and his name is Jesus. It's a person. It's Jesus, okay? And it's worth it, church. Um, in this church, as an elder, I hear a lot of things. In fact, last service, there was a guy coming down, a couple college kids uh, come to Miami, and he's a pastor. And we just had a wonderful little conversation in the foyer between services, and he said that, you know, and we both got, got talking as pastors or shepherds or overseers, whatever category you want to put us in, you have a lot of people come and dump a lot of stuff on you. You're hearing of the diagnosis, of the hurt, the brokenness, the divorces, the sin, the problems in this, and it can get really heavy. And that's just part of being in ministry. It's part of doing this, this eldership. Um, so in this church, these are some sufferings that I've seen, and I want to bring them to your, to your awareness, and you, you probably will be like, amen to that one or amen to that. It's not exhaustive, but there is some clear suffering. So in this church, I've seen people that are suffering with loneliness. Um, a beautiful, beautiful sweet lady that uh, is widowed, she said, I, I pray about that, and it was such a cool story. I don't want to air her stuff out, but she caught me in between services and said, yeah, I feel lonely, and she's asking the Lord, and, and she lost her husband, and she's probably a strong woman of God, but she said, yeah, I, I'm lonely, I'm lonely, but I love Jesus, and I'm, I'm, doing, I'm waiting on him, and I'm trying, it's so cool. Now, the ones that, that you guys can suffer with, and we see this often, is marriage struggles. Anybody married? Amen. You will struggle, you know? It's just, it's not an easy thing to be, you know, in a covenant with another person. Marriage struggles, you know, divorce, is a suffering I see. Kids, just kids, right? Just kids bring suffering to our lives. Uh, wayward kids, wayward kids, right? The kids that, I mean, my goodness, this is one that, that I've seen probably more than of late than anything is parents that are burdened that their kids aren't following Jesus. And boy, the, the, the attack in their heart and on their life and the suffering they feel is a real thing. Um, uh, unsaved, well, uh, parents that are passing away. This is another one I've seen, uh, dementia. For some reason, in the last month or two, I've got to pray with several people in this church or outside this church that their parents have dementia or they're dying, and that's a suffering, how to take care of them. That's a, that's a painful, painful place to be, but that's real suffering, okay? We see that. Um, unsaved spouses, 
That's suffering. It is. You got saved or you, you married someone that didn't love Jesus, and that's, that's, that produces suffering. Sickness, disease. There's suffering in that. There's suffering in that. Financial uh, difficulty. I've seen suffering in that. Folks in this church have been nervous about money, stressed. There's su- that's a suffering thing, okay? Death. Death. Like, you know, people passing away of sickness and, and these different things, and there's a suffering with that. Flesh and temptation. The Bible talks about this being a suffering too. Fighting your temptations, you know, resisting your fleshly desires is a uh, suffering. It really is. Uh, And amen, right? Amen. Work can be suffering. Family can be suffering. On and on and on, I just wanted to bring your brain into thinking we're not talking about, uh, today I'm not preaching to missionaries who are getting martyred. Today I'm preaching to Christian people who are trying to love Jesus on their day-to-day, you guys, okay? So I want you to track with me, and I don't want you to throw this stuff away and be like, that's only for the super Christians laying their life down in some other country. In Christ's eyes, we're all super Christians. He loves us so much. And, you have your, and so don't downplay your, your situation. Don't, don't, that's, that's actually something the devil would do. Don't ask because it's not that big of a deal. That's a lie. One thing I've learned with God in, in my years of loving him and following him is I'll ask for anything. I mean, doesn't always say yes and change it, but I ask. I'm like, change this, Lord. Fix this, Lord. Bless me in this. I'm going to let him be the, the, the decider of the no or not now. I'm going to ask. I'm going to be bold in that, okay? So Philippians, a book of suffering. I want you to look at uh, and ask this simple question. How do you and I have joy like Paul in suffering? How do you and I have joy like the apostle Paul, who we clearly see in the text, has it with these folks in suffering. And, and I want you to look at Philippians 3, 17. Just, I'm going to read it real quick, and we'll probably come back to it. Brothers, this is Paul talking in, in the Scripture. Brothers, join in imitating me. He's big into that, like you grow because you imitate. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So Paul's letter is telling the Philippians, if you want to have joy like I do in prison while I'm writing this letter, watch me. How many people are watching you? And if I asked the people that are watching you, would they say he or she has joy in suffering or hardship? They stand in joy. They have faith in the hard times. You could see it. Or would they say she's super dramatic or he's super dramatic and they're up, they're down, they're angry, they're sinning. What are people seeing? What example are we setting? Philippians 1.9 says it this way. And it is my prayer that love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. So this start of the letter is the big idea is, guys, listen, I love you and I'm excited about you, church, in Philippi. You're my, you're, my, you're my family, but I'm writing this letter so that love may abound more and more. And then I, he really wants them to have knowledge. That's what Philippians, the four chapters, he's pushing some knowledge into them and discernment. He wants them to, what do you get out of this letter? What's they, what, do, what do they get is what we should get. Amen? All right, everybody with me? So I broke this down, and, and the best way I could make it in bite size understanding um, is four points, because I like points. Keeps me at a task, keeps my brain focused, so I'm not just rambling, although there will be some rambling, as there has been here already. <laughs> um, the first one is this. 
Paul, he was totally surrendered to Jesus. And I put, put this, he lived dead. Now, I'm going I'm to preach on this one for a minute. He lived dead. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 16 with me. Flip through, scroll through, give you a minute. It's our Lord and Savior, his words, so valuable words. Matthew 16 says this, uh, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's huge. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? You look at this, and you clearly see in Paul's letter, you see a guy that heard this teaching and believes it. That it, He heard that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That take up your cross is die, crucify. And, and, and I just, I have a ten. I mean, the older I get, the more I double down on things. But I have this idea that we, we just get where we're like, I'm going to still live my life, but I don't want to go to hell. We have a tendency to say, I accepted Jesus so I don't go to hell. And praise God, I don't go to hell because of him. But really, salvation in Christ is you die and give your life to him. You no longer, I mean, are you, do we connect to this? And so, what, what, Jeremiah, what's the big idea? Sometimes your lack of joy is connected to the lack of death that you are willing to do on the cross to follow Jesus. When you're truly crucified, submitted and following him, you will tap into something that's so supernatural that it will sustain you in the lowest of points. But sometimes you're so, you're so broken because you haven't killed or crucified your flesh. You know how exhausting it is to live two lives? You're, 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 here's my Christianity and here's my flesh. We're going to live together. Throw that one away. Kill it. In Jesus' name. We are weak so often and broken so often and off base and can't hear God. Not because God doesn't want to speak, but because we won't pick up our cross and die to ourselves. Let the Lord talk to you in that. I am growing right now, and, and, and I've been hanging out with the Lord, and, and one of the things that I'm, here I am, been serving the Lord, and I'm in ministry and all this, and I'm asking him, show me areas that I haven't crucified. Because as you grow in God, your faith grows, and God wants to change you, mature you. And there will be areas that he'll be like, you've done good in this, now I want to deal with that. It's a sanctification, it's a growth in the Lord. Okay? So, just... Do what Jesus says. That's, that's that simple. And pray that this week. Think about that. Meditate on it. Don't believe me. Believe Jesus. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Save your life, you lose it. Let go, Christian. That's, I mean, it's like you've got to let go. Die daily. Let go. Get rid of it. Trust the Lord in this, this scariness of following him. You won't be disappointed. He's there for you. All right, take a look at Philippians 1. And I'm going to show you how Paul lived dead and, and, and what live dead mindset looks like. Live dead mindset. That didn't sound right. Philippians 1, verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. 
I love that too. He's, he's always thinking where I'm at, what's happened to me, what's the most important thing? It's advanced the gospel. We, we, most important thing often time in my life is how do I feel, what's, what's good for me, I don't like this discomfort, I don't want this pressure, I don't like this stress. No, I think, I love what Paul's saying here, and I think I gotta live under that, is the gospel being advanced? Is the gospel being advanced? Somehow, some way, maybe this, maybe this situation is so that the gospel gets advanced. I love that, it's living dead. All right, so we move on. Um, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ and most of my brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and much more bold to speak the word without fear. So um, really what you see there is he's, he's, just, he's willing to just say, hey, look, I'm in prison and that's okay. This was supposed to happen to me so that other people would get bold and other people would see me and be okay and preach the gospel, right? That is clearly a man willing to live dead, not feel sorry for me, I'm in prison. This is the worst. You Philippians, can you like bring me a TV? This is the worst. No, he's like, it's okay. I'm in prison. Don't feel sorry for me. God did this. God knows what he's doing and I trust him because I live dead. I live dead. I crucified my, my flesh a long time ago, crucified my, my desires a long t- time ago. And sometimes when you crucify your desires, you end up in difficult places like prison, Probably not you guys, but maybe. And God said, in, in your attitude in that difficult place, what is it? His is like, gospel's being preached. Other people are preaching. This is what I'm focused on. This is me making the first thing first. Okay? Now look at 19 through 27 with me. For I know that through these are famous prayers, for, or pre, or, sorry, famous um, scriptures, sorry. For I know that through your prayers and help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. This man, Paul, when he prayed that prayer, pick up your cross and follow the Lord, he meant it. And he's even saying it here. It's like, Christ will be honored in my body, whether in life or death. Right now, how serious do you take your walk with Christ? If tomorrow it comes down from the powers that be, that everyone that loves Jesus has to get killed, are you still going to say, I'm going to stand and love Jesus? Or do we start to look for loopholes and back, uh, you know, maybe, you know. No, it's a call to die. It's a call to live all in. And your joy and your peace depends upon it. Amen? Are you guys with me? I'm I'm trying not to crush you. This is some heavy stuff. For to me, to live is Christ and die is gain. How do you live dead? You say, to live is in Jesus and I'm okay there. But really, if I die, then I gain everything. Man, if, I mean, this is what I'm praying for in my own heart. I don't do it yet. When I think about dying, I want to be excited. Just being honest, I don't. I got four kids, I got a wife, I got friends, and my brain, I'm not there. I'm just 100% honest with you. I'm like, man, I have a hard time thinking I'm ready to leave. But Paul had lived crucified so long that he was at peace with saying, if I die, praise God. But if I'm alive, I'm going to stay doing the work and the will of Jesus. How are you doing with that? 
How do you think of it? Some of us fear death so much, and that's just not a thing. We should not be fearing death. If you're in Christ, this is the closest to hell you'll ever get. If you're in Christ. To be honest with you, if you're not in Christ, this is the closest to heaven you'll ever get. Repent. Be born again. Give your life to Jesus. All right. We move forward. All right. For to me to live is in Christ and die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard passed between the two. My desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, continue with you all for the progress and the joy and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I like that. I'm going to pause there and stop there. Once again, I hit on this. Is your manner of life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How you lived this week, where you went, what you watched, who you talked to, how you talked to, how you thought, is it worthy of Jesus Christ? That First, and don't, don't get under condemnation because some of you will say, heck no. Repent. Give your life to the Lord in that area. Say, Lord, help me to live a life that is worthy to the gospel. It's worthy to you. He wants to help you. The Holy Spirit's in you. He's, he's, he wants to do this. It's just a matter of letting him. Okay? Um, look over. Yeah. All right, next one. I don't want to waste too much time on that. That was live dead. Okay? Next point you see in this letter that I think speaks to joy and suffering is partnership. Partnership. Philippians 1.5. If you look at that, because of your partnership in the gospel from first day until now. Because of your partnership in the gospel. Part, I'm not a, I don't know much about Greek. I just read study Bibles. And it said partnership is like fellowship. Fellowship is koinonia. Fellowship together. What? Paul understood and joyed in is he was connected to the body. He was one of many, and he was connected. And he, had his, he was doing his part, and they were doing his, their part. And that is such a wonderful picture. So I'm going to talk about this, but, but, but what I see so often, and I mentioned it, and, and, and I'm seeing this more, and I, 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 I kind of hurt when I see it, the individualistic idea of your Christianity you, I, I, I podcast this. Well, heck, you're going to get better preaching than on a podcast. There's guys out there that can do it way better than us. It's just the truth. I, like, I, I listen to worship on, on Spotify or Pandora or whatever, and let's, let's just be honest. You're going to get more talent, more. And I do both. I listen to worship and I listen to preaching and podcasts and all that stuff. But you're not getting community. You're not getting partnership. You're not. And it's, it's, well, it's my personal, personal relationship with the Lord, you know. Your personal relationship with the Lord will actually lead you to community. Amen. Your personal relationship with the Lord, if you follow Scripture, will lead you to be in community, under authority, connected to the body. We have to hear this. Because there's a whole heck of a lot of people that think, I can bounce around, do this, do that, do that. Plug in. Put your feet, let someone know you. Why? Because you're going to actually get to exercise love and forgiveness because people are rough to be around, right? As beautiful as you are, there's a lot of issues, <laughs> right? There's a lot of issues here. But being a part of the body is a big part of this. We can work together. We can talk it out. We can forgive each other. We can, we, when you're hurting, we can lift you up. 
And when you're out of line, we can bring you back. And that's for me too. It's partnership, it's fellowship, it's koinonia, it's getting together. And we have connect groups here at church. To be honest with you, go to a connect group. Connect, make the next step. If you're only a Sunday morning person and you're like, and, that, and we love that. We love that you're here. I'm not mad at that. But go deeper. Start spending time with the Lord. Saying, Lord, who do I fellowship with? Who, who do I grab arms with? Where do I go and who do I connect to? Because there's people in here that would love to be in connection, to be in partnership with you. Paul understood the power of partnership. Paul understood that the joy that you'll see so often was his thinking of them. Paul understood that the only thing that's going to go to heaven with him is these, these people. People. And we get sidetracked. So I want you to look at Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And this is the biggest thing. I, I would put this on anyone. If you say, man, I'm just being honest. I'm kind of a nasty person. I love Jesus, but I need to, I need to grow. I'm rough on people. I'm rough to get along with. I'm not the best, right? If you're just this person, I am this person sometimes. I want you to, to pray scripture. Praying scripture is powerful stuff. So Philippians 2, 1 through uh, 11 says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, there it is to the participation, you see that, that the partnership is with each other and with God. And that's the beautiful thing that the body of Christ has. We have each other and we have God. And you'll see that, that, that the participation in the spirit the Holy Spirit's doing something in you. And when you start to connect to the body, you'll start to understand more of your giftings, your calling, and your purposes. And they start to show up because you're needed in the body. So you shortchange yourself and you shortchange the body when you just say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to pull away. Okay? The affection and sympathy. Complete my joy. This is, this, is, this is it. Complete my joy, his joy, his thinking of joy, by being of the same mind. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. The Christian church is supposed to think the same because we, here's the crazy part, we all have the mind of Christ. So we should look at the world in love. We should look at the sinner in love. We should think like Christ and want to save people. We should have a passion and a zeal for the lost, the broken, the hurting. We should have a passion and a zeal to grow in our faith so that we're more Christ-like. We should have a same mind. When we gather, we should say, this is a gathering. I have a purpose here. I want to worship. Praise the Lord. I want to be, be known and know people. There's, a, there's something profound about being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And then you're like, that's tough, especially in church days right now. There's churches that are all over the place with all over the different doctrines. And I get that. And I'm not talking about agreeing upon everything. But I am talking about the same mind, same love, and full accord of one, of, with one mind. Look at three. Do nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That's why I said pray this. You guys want to change, pray this prayer. Sit before the Lord and say, Lord, make me this person. That's going to be a bold prayer, but God can do it. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. How have we done with that? How are we doing with that? Even the good things I do so often are from selfish ambition. I'm pretty good. That's why I did it. I'm not supposed to. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. And I love how he just says others. Not just your family, not just your friends, not just the people you like in church. Hello. There are people in this church that bug you. 
There are people in this, I, I'm not going to say, I was going to say there's people in the church that bug me. But it's just people, right? <laughs> I was laughing. I, you don't bug me, babe. So, but, but, but this, is the, this is the point. Count others more significant than yourselves. Others. Those people, because we love to be like, well, I love my family. I love my church circle, my Bible study. But that group over there really bothers me. And the word of God's saying, count others more significant than yourself. So the challenge just got, whew. how are you counting others that you don't like that much, that frustrates you that much, that disappoints you? How are you counting them before yourself? See how scripture just has a tendency to get on you and just be like, ah, ah, that's me just fighting it, changing, right? It does, guys. Count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Are you looking out for the people around you, the people that confess Christ and love? Or do you care about what's going on in their life? Why are you saying this? Sometimes your joy is being held up and your peace is being held up because you're too self-centered. You're too much about your stuff. And God says, hey, listen, obey scripture. Get about their thing. Serve them. How can you lift their burden? How can you help them? And when you do, you'll be almost surprised. I've seen this and I can testify to it. Sometimes in that serving, in that counting others better than myself, I'll actually start to be like, my problems don't seem so bad. I feel joy and peace, right? But the problem is we get looking at our problem, my problem, my problem, my, my situation, my problem. And God's like, hey, look at me. I took your problem. Look at them. Go take their problem. Care is really what it comes down to. Look, I broke this down into some, some clear things from, from Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Same mind, same love. Being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Look out for the interests of others. If we can, as cobblestone, if we can just somehow by the grace of God start to wrap this in and around us and through us and we become this people, look out. Jesus, ha we, we, Jesus is in the house when we live like this because he's changing us. And that's hard. That's a hard life to, to, to crucify there. All right, the third, third point is this. It's contentment. Hello, contentment. Not fun, but it's real. Look at Philippians 4, 10 through 16. Philippians 4, 10 through 16. These are famous scriptures too. Usually misquoted. Um, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me and, and you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. There's just this deep love and care for each other here. It's beautiful. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He just said, I've learned. You, you don't automatically know this. Contentment is something some of us are learning right now. Contentment. I've learned it. I didn't just get it. I've learned it. And he says, I know how to be brought low. This is actually kind of how he learned it. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. Now, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Of course, guys, here's the thing. Context matters. 
He's talking about money here. Philippians supported his ministry, and he's writing to them, thanking them. But he's telling them, here's the deal. And he even goes on to say, I'm not, I'm not asking for your money for my sake. I'm asking for your money for God's sake so God blesses you in, in your giving. He talks a little later about that. We're not going into that. But what he was teaching and sharing to his brothers and sisters in Philippi is that, that I know what it's like to have no money. And I know what it's like to have a ton. And I know that I've learned that God has taught me to be content. And I just want to ask you guys, maybe, maybe in finances, but maybe in spiritual, uh, well, are you content? Are you content, happy, content with Jesus? That's a tough question, right? Because most of us are like, I'm not, if I'm honest. I want more. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in, an every, in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's it. Who can you do all things through? Christ. He understood that. I hope you understand that. Sometimes it's like, and I lived it. I've lived, lived in, in excess and I've lived in lack, in money, to be honest with you guys. And uh, the lack taught me a lot. The lack taught me more than the, the, the prosperity to be frank with you. The lack taught me that God is bankable. The lack taught me that you get a scripture and you stand on it and the Lord will provide for you. I was telling Andrew a week or so ago, just, and it's, it is, it's what I learned in the lack, I wouldn't trade for anything. What I learned in the lack is God provides even when you look and you say, there's no way. And I told the story and I'll tell it again because it's worth it. I was trying to grow my business and I was really frustrated, and I had a lot of bills, and had, and, and probably just Faith was at home. I don't know if we had Jesse yet, and I was just not, just feeling like a bum, to be frank with you guys, and I went up to a dealership in Richmond, and uh, I, I remember going in and handing in a card, trying to stir up work, and they looked at me and said, we don't need you, and it's like, whatever, okay. I just felt really defeated. I felt really broke. I felt really hurt, and I remember the Lord just kind of nudging me, and I'm, I'm big into this as Paul's in pray. Pause and pray right there. Find a place. Not in, the, not in the showroom. I didn't hit my knees, but I did go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. And I went to the bathroom, and, and, and I got down on my knee, and I just was like, I, I was honest. I said, Lord, I, I need work. I need help. We, were not, we, we, we don't have enough money, and I need this thing to take off. I believe you've called me to it. Will you meet me in this? Just like this. Just, and he, he kind of just whispered, just a sweet little whisper. Just go home and love your family. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to obey. I've done it this far. I might as well stay the course. So I went home, obeyed the Lord, loved on her, tr just really handed over that worry to him right there. And I'm, I'm telling you guys, it's changed. I mean, I saw, I, I, could, I could talk all day about the blessings of the Lord financially. But what I learned is the Psalm 34 too I stood on. Lack taught me more than abundance. And some of us are afraid of lack, like it's, it's a dirty thing. But lack can be a training ground for incredible faith. Don't be afraid of lack. If it's the Lord's will, walk with him, talk with him, trust him in it. He'll meet you and you'll have beautiful stories and testimonies because he's faithful, isn't he, Ed? Faithful. We've seen it. And sometimes we just weep because we just saw it. And I thank God that you taught me that, Lord. 
I thank that you've taught me through high and low. Oh, I'm trusting you now, Lord. Anyways, contentment. Look at 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6, this is some good money to talk to. You know, God cares about your money. Hello, he cares about your money. We have a tendency to be scared of talking about money, and I don't know why. And I'll just say this, God wants it all. When it comes to crucifying yourself, it's not like, well, I'm going to follow God, but I'm not going to touch my, my investments or my thinking, all that. Trust the Lord. Take everything and say, Lord, am I doing right by you right now? Am I saving the right kind of money? Am I investing the right kind of money? Am I trusting you with, with my money? Because really, it's your money, Lord. I'm just a steward. It'll change the way you focus on all of it. And giving's a part of it. Honoring the Lord. Be obedient to give. Just trust the Lord and, and you say, Lord, it's your wallet. Take it. It's your job. Take it. It's your provision. Take it. What do you want to do with it? 1 Timothy 6, 6 says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. There it is again, and it's from our boy Paul. With, for, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. For an American Christian right now, that's a challenge, and I'm struggling with that. The contentment has to be at the simplest things of having your needs provided for. We say, oh no, I want, uh, I want this, and I want the lake house, and I want the big trucks, and I want all that, right? Talking about Jeremiah here, not you guys. I'd like to have a lake house. I'd like to have bigger trucks. <laughs> but contentment is based on food and clothing. With these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And in my, in my years of abundance in my business, I have read this. It's actually underlined. I've read this and prayed this. Lord, kill the desire to be rich. Lord, kill the desire to be rich out of my heart because I don't want to see the snare. I don't want to end up in many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction because I love you, Jesus. I need you. Don't make me rich if that's what's going to ruin me. If I can handle it, that's your call. If I can't, that's your call. Do we, do we behave like this with God? Do we let him in our bank accounts? Do we let him have a look and a say on our savings and our spending and how we handle money? Because our Lord Jesus wants to speak to it. He wants to talk to you about it. And he'll teach you lessons in it. Right? Boy, it gets quiet when you start talking money. Don't worry, I'll take three offerings. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not taking an offering. Remember, I, the prosperity stuff's not my jam. Um, into a many senseless and harmful desires and plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, it gets misquoted all the time. People all the time say, money is the root of all evil. It's, it's the love. It's an idolatry situation. You can have everything, Lord, but you can't have my money. This will test you. This will challenge you. This will ask yourself, am I living crucified? And sometimes it's just being honest with God and being like, I struggle letting you call, my, call the shots over my money. I'm, I've struggled with that, Lord, but I'm going to try. I'm going to let you in. 
And you'll find that he's so tender and sweet and gracious and kind and forgiving. He's not a big jerk that wants to just take your bank account and blow it apart. He wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you, but he wants you to put him first because sometimes we feel all warm and cozy with our money all around us. And you've got to learn over here in the lack sometimes that, that warm and co- the, the real warm and cozy, the real joy is in him. And you just don't see it till you see it, you know? And then you're like, oh, I don't love being in the spirit of lack, but the, it's a beautiful place because God gave you a promise. He says, look at the sparrows, right? They don't worry. And I provide for them. Look at the flowers. They're better dressed than Solomon. Jesus talks this way. And why do we not believe him? Has he ever been a liar? Is he a God that you cannot trust? Why do I doubt him? Why do I doubt him? Why? And it breaks my heart that I doubt him. But for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. He doesn't even say it's just evil with money. All kinds of evil. I don't want all kinds of evil in my house. Kick the love of money out of your heart, out of your head, out of your life. Get rid of it. It's a danger. This is a warning. And we live in a world where, let's be honest, we, we, we have a society. It's like more, more, more. Just trust the Lord with that. It is through this craving. <sighs> Jeremiah, how do I know if I'm, do you have a crave? Do you have a, 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 a not a hard work ethic, not a discipline with money, I like to see it grow, not that. I mean a crave. Like I gotta be rich. I gotta be somebody. I gotta have tons. I want more. It's a crave. And, it, and it'll, it'll, you'll find that it takes the place of, of the gospel. You'll find that you're like, okay, yeah, oh, I'll, I'll, I want to I share Christ with them, but I got to, and it can, it can show up in working too much. It can show up in making business decisions that are shady. It can show up with cheating on tax. It can show up. It's that craving can show up. I got to watch out for it, and I'm going to be honest with you. You all have to watch out for it. Craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs or problems. All right, the last point. The last point, we're doing well. We're getting done. I've got some prayer time here at the end. I want to make sure we do some prayer. The last and the, the final thought in Philippians is forward focus and trained thinking. Forward focused and trained thinking. You will see that he pushed on these, these Christians in Philippi on how to live, on how to think. And it's healthy. It's helpful. Philippians 3, 12 through 21. I'd like you to read that with me. Philippians 3, 12 through 21. Not that I have already obtained this, I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, learn from Paul, guys, everybody, let's listen to Paul, forgetting what lies behind. Now, if you read the earlier part of three, he just talked about his, all of his accolades and who he is. And Paul was somebody in the religious uh, sect of that day. He really was. He was, uh, you know, he was a man among, among men in religious circles. And he says he counts it all as, as dung, as pointless, as, as trash, really. Um, that's what he thought of his worldly success. That's the, this is the joy part. That's the living crucified. That's the living broken. You'll see come out. Um, he said, but I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting 
forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Sometimes the lack of joy is you're thinking too much about what you did, right or wrong or good or bad. Forget it. Today is a new day. Today is a new day, follow the Lord. Go after him. Let go of that mistake. Let go of that sin. Let go of that trouble, even the good stuff. I know so many Christians that want to spend their time that talking about the miracles of the 40s, the 50s, the 1800s, and all that. I think that's dangerous in the body. I read a lot of guys from 1800s, and I love their teaching. But I'm telling you, if we live back then, we're not pressing forward to, to, to the good things he has for us now. Yeah. I lost my breath there, Jack. You know? It, we have a tendency. I, 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 I get around my own family, and praise God, I love them, but... They're talking about things from the 80s and 90s and 2000s. Talk about now. Today is the day of the Lord, right? Today is the day of salvation. God's got good things for the church. I think that's just a corporate thing sometimes. Look forward. Press on. Get our eyes focused on Christ and say, do something with us here. We don't want to be any other church. We don't want to be like these other authors and the other things. We want to be what cobble, we want cobblestone to be what Christ wants cobblestone to be. As elders, that's what we beg him. Make us what you want, Jesus. I like reading books and I like studying stuff, but make us what you want, Jesus. Amen? You guys on that journey with us? No? <laughs> I felt a lot of support in that. <laughs> no? Like, all right, there's a few of us that are going to be like, yeah. But that's, a, that's an honest thing, right? As a church, we want to be what Jesus wants us to be. Okay? And living in the past of cobblestone 20 years ago, cobblestone 10 years ago, cobblestone two years ago. Don't do it. Don't live there. Let's move forward. God's got new things. Let's stop thinking that way. Amen. Amen. All right. Where was I? Philippians 3, 12 through 21. Whew. I count everything I've lost because of the surpassing worth of knowledge. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for our sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm reading up, aren't I? 12. Oh. You know, honestly, I'm thinking I'm going to have to get glasses has. My eyes feel blurry today. Anyways, I got, I got problems. Pray for Jeremiah. 13, thank you, babe. Uh, I'm serious, though. I'm, like, getting blurry. Uh, I press on toward the goal for the prize and the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. I'm big into that too. I think this next year is going to be a year of maturity, spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity, growing in how we understand, trust the Lord. Remember what he started out in the beginning of the book and he talked about knowledge and discernment. We will mature in our knowledge. We will mature in our discernment. We will mature in our understanding if we allow him to speak and do what he wants to do. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Who are you looking to is important. Who are you following? For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the Christ, of Christ, cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things. He's warning about guys that walked with them and turned off and gave up and went another way. And the one thing you've got to see and take away from that is that their minds were set on earthly things. You, we live on this earth and we have to think about earthly things. 
But our minds should not be set on earthly things. Our minds should be set on heavenly things, focused on Jesus, who he is, where he's sitting, where he sits on the right hand of the Father. What does that mean for me here? Where will I be when I'm, I had a guy tell me this past week, on a, a, look, fixing a dent on a car, and he said, he said, 100 years from now, none of this is going to matter. And honest truth, 100 years from now, none of it's going to matter, except what we do for him and how we do it, because that's eternal. All right, um, 4-1, therefore, my brothers, whom I have loved, long for my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And 4 through 8, rejoice. Oh, yeah, 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 this one's good. The first one was focus, right? You got to focus on Christ. You got to see him in the heavenlies. But this last one, and I had a guy tell me even in between services that this actually is even what his psychiatrist or psychologist or somebody said to him. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, another brother told me gentleness in New King, New King James, reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. Everyone around you, do they know you're gentle and reasonable? I don't know. Um, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God there it is, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and God of peace will be with you. To get, okay, the, you, you, the first thing is get your eyes set on Christ, where he is, who he is, and what he's done. That's, that's important. Then you're like, I got to stop thinking a certain way because let's be honest, the battle's in the mind. We talked about spiritual warfare last week, the mind, the struggle. Um, and you have to think, you got to train your thinking. And he talked about thinking about good things. If I'm trying to not think about bad things, if I just sit around and think, don't think about bad things, don't think about bad things, that's not how it works. You, you stop thinking about bad things or worry or lust or evil desires or money or, or how mean everybody is or judgy or gossip. You stop thinking about these things by getting righteous things in front of your eyes and putting those in your mind. You guys with me? Bad thoughts go away when we put in godly content. So we read the word, we listen to the word, we listen to worship um, we get around people that don't tear. This is the other thing. Christians get, you know, ah, 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 gossiping, tearing that. Just, just, that's bad. And you walk in here and you hear something. No, good things. Get good things in there. Recognize what's healthy and right. Recognize what's bad and, and evil and get them out. Get the bad out and put the good in. Amen? That's a simple practice, but I promise you that's going to take some time. And you've got to spend some time praying about it. If you're fearful all the time, that's bad thinking. If you're doubtful at everything, if you're judgy all the time, bad thinking, right? All right, so uh, Dallas, you want to go ahead and come on up, buddy? We are, I'm dropping you off here. We have about 15 minutes till 1230 where we got kids. And this is prayer Sunday. So there's a couple things we wanted to do. I wanted to preach first, drop you off so that we can minister with each other and be the church a little bit today rather than just me dismiss you and you go on and eat. Um, 
I want you to look again with me. We're going to kind of talk about this. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. If you guys could put that up there. Philippians 2, I talked about it. Now we're going to be about it, okay? Philippians 2, 1 through 4. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. We're going to exercise same mind right now. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Cobblestone Church, when you come to church, start asking yourself and asking the Lord to help you to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in, and to help you in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Like we do communion, and we're working on communion. We don't like people just wrestle with kids all day, but if we as elders feel like communion is something this church needs and we need to see it and have a said time for it, and if our people will say, I'm gonna come because that blesses somebody else, even if you got nothing out of it. That's real talk. That's loving you guys. That, sometimes you're here and you're, you're, it's for them. And we gotta count other people in this room and in this church better than ourselves. Well, maybe God wanted to minister to them. Maybe God wanted to do something there. And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm okay. I didn't get my message. I didn't get my worship. I didn't, that's, that, 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 we want you to have that. But that's not the point. The Bible tells us that we all, all of us, have to get in unity in counting others in this room and in this church better than ourselves. Because sometimes God wants to minister to somebody. So right now, we're going we're gonna, to, if you are in a suffering situation, a suffering situation, raise your hand. Just be honest with me. Don't please be bold. I saw it. I'm going to ask you guys to hold your hands high, and I'm going to ask Christians in this room that love them, prayer team people, trained people, if you love Christ, go and pray with them. Take a few moments and pray. So you guys got to keep your hand up. I'm sorry. That's suffering. Just keep your hand up. But it's like, but we want to see you because we care, and we want you guys to feel loved, and I think God is going to, he's doing something in that, Okay? So go ahead, Dallas, give me some music, buddy. And if you guys put your hands back up and let the body just kind of surround you. If you're an elder close by, if you're on a prayer team, seriously, don't let someone hold their hand up and not get prayer, okay? All right, go ahead, pray for them. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.